0: So my wife and I have been reading a book together. It's something I never thought I'd be interested in, but it will go down as one of the most influential books that I'll ever read. It's helped us connect on a much deeper level, and it's taken our relationship to a place that I could not even have imagined. America's better with stronger families, and one of the pillars to a strong family is a strong marriage. The book that we're reading is called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. It's an old book. I believe it was written in the early 90s. Um, So I thought it would be neat to do a series of podcasts. So this will probably be three or four episodes uh, that my wife and I will do together. Uh, You can hang out with us and we'll tell you about our journey through this book, how it's helped us, and hopefully someday it will help you. So welcome to episode three of America More Perfect. Um, as I mentioned, this will be a journey through the book, The Five Love Languages. Um, I am happy to have my wife, Amanda, here with us. Say hi, Amanda.
1: Hi, Amanda. I
0: knew that's what was coming. <laughs> People will find that humorous. Um, so how, how did we kind of get here? You recommended this, but this had actually been, I had heard about this book from my brother-in-law, uh, Donnie, and then I was reading Patrick David's book, The uh, Your next five moves and he actually mentions it in there um, as it relates to business relationships so I thought you know maybe there's something to this book Uh, but you actually suggested uh, reading it together Uh, we bought a journal that we're both taking notes in as we read this Um, so what what did you think the motivation was in, in having us do this
1: I really think that what prompted this for me is just being stale cruising right we call we've talked about it before just cruising in our relationship is this really what a marriage is is this really what we are supposed to be doing is this it
0: right and that's i think that's such a common problem of course we'll talk more about this uh, as we get into the first kind of three chapters of the book um but i think for me and maybe for you too and we've, we've talked about this some you don't even know you're in that state Now, I think for the most part, you get this feeling that things are good because the marriage isn't necessarily combative. You don't fight much. Um, Arguments are few and far between. They're hardly ever serious. We're busy all the time with, you know, we have three kids now. Uh, We recently got a dog. I mean, our life is 90 miles an hour all the time. Um, And you just, the thing that is probably most important to your family, which is our relationship, kind of takes a back seat.
1: Well, that, and I think also everybody lives in comparison world. Well, we're not divorcing like this couple or we're not doing like this couple. And so we think we're okay. But is there any growth? Is there anything positive? Like one thing that I was thinking of that, I don't know, in this process was eventually our kids are going to be gone. Do I even like you? (laughs) do i want to spend time with you what what then but Mm -hmm. if we don't and my grandmother had said a long time ago people will say kids first kids first and that should not the what be the way it is it should be spouse god first spouse then kids Mm -hmm. because kids are going to be gone and you want to model a relationship that they want to have and um then have a relationship that you can build on once they're gone.
0: Yeah. Well, I think a lot of that is, I think most people are this mm-hmm. way. You want your kids to have better than you did.
1: Right. And I
0: think sometimes that gets taken to such an extreme that it's to our detriment and theirs right. in, in the long run. I think, you know, we've done a pretty good job of um, you know, teaching our kids how to deal with adversity. So it's not, it's not that part of it as much as it is, like you mentioned, just not showing them. An example, you can teach them and tell them what a marriage should be until you're blue in the face. Right. Um, but that's something that their their behavior is going to model. Um, and I just don't think that up until, and it's, it's sad to say because we've been married over 20 years, uh, but up until we got into this book, I don't think we really understood the priority our marriage should have taken right. over the past few years. And it's kind of like we're trying to play catch up right. now.
1: Well, because 90s rom-coms and Hallmark movies will portray marriage yeah. <laughs> a whole lot different than reality.
0: Right. <laughs> right. And, of course, we'll, we'll talk about that here shortly. Uh, but the first three chapters of this book, um, the first one is uh, Love After the Wedding. Uh, the second one is called Keeping the Love Tank Full. And the third one is Falling in Love. And I think when we started taking notes in our journal as we're reading this together, uh, we kind of lumped the first two chapters together. Um, and did, did notes on the, on the third one, but I think they, it was, I thought those three would be good to cover in this episode because they kind of flow and they're so interconnected. Um, and and the effects of, of society and how they influence the paradigms that we have, um, about love, about what marriage should be. Um, so before we get too far into this, I want to kind of lay out a couple of disclaimers here. Um, we are not here to critique anybody's marriage pass judgment on people that may or may not have been divorced. We have friends that have been divorced. We have families, family members that have been divorced. Um, this is not a judging thing. Uh, we do hope that, um, we have figured some things out in the 20 plus years that we've been married. Um, and if there's some things that we can share, um, to maybe save somebody from going through a divorce, because divorce is painful. Um, I don't know of anybody that personally, that jumped for joy, (laughs) you know, when, when they got divorced, you know, I have have a close friend um, that it just, it it was so devastating for him. Um, And of course, you know, the kids are involved. So um, if there's anything that we can do maybe to give a light at the end of the tunnel for people that may be struggling and say, you know, there is a way out of this that doesn't involve the end. um, I think it'll be a productive thing. And like I mentioned in the intro, um, such a crucial part in my opinion of having a strong America is, you know, the strong nuclear family. And in order to do that, you have to have a strong marriage. Um, That's something that I think as a society, we've kind of lost sight of. I don't know if it's because we've taken it for granted um, or it's, it's just not as important as it used to be as things become more secular. Um, But anyway, that that's, I just want to get that out of the way. So um, if if you are listening to this and and you're somebody that's been divorced um, you know, our, our hope is that you, Get it right the next time around. Um, that you do find success in a relationship. Um, if you're struggling, n- know that there's hope. Um, there, this is not does not have to be the end. And hopefully, we can give you some some tips and pointers on how to get through those hard times. So, do you have anything to add before we not get into that, the book? I guess. Okay. So, did we think we were okay before? this book
1: i think so because the first years we were married were tumultuous at best
0: (laughs) yeah um i i okay maybe it's almost like that doesn't adequately portray the level of passive
1: it was almost like rose-colored glasses like all right I don't hate him.
0: I don't want to kill
1: him. I'm happy to see him when he comes home. I will continue to raise kids with him. Great. Do I want to spend a lot of time with him on our own? No, he's playing his Xbox and I'll go watch TV. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, I think the biggest difference now compared to before we started reading this book was we thought, or at least I thought, we could have quality conversations deep conversations this book has taken that to an extreme right so um you can always get better and i think that's kind of what we lost sight at um how do how do we define love early in our marriage did we ever try to define it how are we defining that now
1: i think well i've always said that there's phases of love there's the puppy love oh my gosh he's so cute and look at what he's wearing and oh my gosh and he smells so good (laughs) and he opened the door for me it's just all so sweet and cuddly and whatever and that follows you through the honeymoon and then the honeymoon it's like oh yeah this is really good and i really love him we can do this forever and and then you move in together and would you please pick up your socks off the floor can you please get your put the toilet seat down will you please stop chewing so loudly and quit playing your game because you've been playing it for three hours Mm -hmm. and then that turns into okay whatever that's just who he is i'm just this is my this is my journey that's just who he is i'm just gonna whatever I'm not going to stalk him when he goes to his friend's house anymore. I'm not going to call him 35 times. Cause I had to go to bed by myself. I'll put one of the kids to bed with me and I'll have a warm body in my bed. And whatever. I stay out all night long. I don't care.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's so in the, in the first chapter of this book, love after what happens to love after the wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it changes. And if you don't change with it, it dies. And so did your relationship. Right now. I think there are certain areas where we did a, a good job yeah. of changing with it, but we're learning that there are a lot of things that we could have done better. Right. Um, I'll get into some just real quick. Get into some stats um, that kind of has has to do with what happens to love after the wedding. Um, now, these there's been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of studies done on on marriages and divorces and, and demographics and all that kind of stuff. Um, So as far as sources goes, um, I happen to find uh, most of this list on uh, Wilkinson and Finkbeiner Law Firm um, had some divorce statistics on there and also the Heritage Foundation. They got their information from the CDC, United States Census Bureau and a few other studies. So if you're one of those people that are adamant that I cite specific sources directly from the source, I apologize. You're not going to get that here. Um, But, you know, I, I did try to do some due diligence and and get into some basic stats um so the crude marriage to divorce rate is based on the number per 1000 people um, both of those have been dropping both marriages and divorces um, but because it's per 1000 people that's not per 1000 marriages or, or divorces um, i don't really think those are the best source um, but this list is just some some general stats almost 50% of United States marriages will end in divorce. Uh, 60% of those happen after, or that percentage goes up after the second marriage to 60%, 73% of third marriages. So you would think if somebody gets divorced once they learn and they get better and therefore the the chance decreases, it's, it's the opposite. Um, A United States divorce happens every 42 seconds. Um, What time
1: is it? Just kidding.
0: See, this is the kind of stuff.
1: <laughs>
0: Marriages that end in divorce last almost eight years. The reasons given for divorce, now I found this interesting. Um, the top reason given for divorce is lack of commitment. Now, you would assume that that would be infidelity or something serious. Mm-hmm. Infidelity is actually the third one. 55% of people that are divorced um, list infidelity. Uh, 56% um, say they argue too much, and 73% say it's lack of commitment. Um, other common reasons, uh, they were married too young, which, you know, we can talk about that because we were married at 19. Um, unrealistic expectations, lack of equality, um, lack of preparation, and then, of course, violence or, debu- violence or abuse accounts for just 25% of reasons given for divorce. Um, having strong religious beliefs decreases the chance of divorce by 14%. High school dropouts are 13% more likely to get a divorce. Forty three percent of children are raised without fathers. That is a staggering, staggering statistic. Um, Some of the other effects on children, uh, children that are um, having to deal with a divorce are more likely to suffer abuse. Uh, They exhibit more behavior, mental health and emotional issues. Uh, They have higher suicide rates. They perform worse in school. Um, They are more likely to repeat a grade or drop out. Uh, Fifty percent of children that are uh, children of divorce fall into the poverty level. Um, and of course, the, this has effects on the public. Federal and state governments spend $150 billion per year to subsidize single-parent families. For every $1,000 spent to deal with divorce fallout, only a dollar is spent to prevent divorce. Most recent data from t- uh, 2002 uh, was the most recent study uh, for this spe- specific statistic. That's a mouthful. Divorces cost taxpayers roughly $30 billion in that year in 2002 Mm. Um, and then the mortality rate divorces can kill at the same rate as smoking Uh, risk of death is 23 percent higher for divorced people so there's not any case to be made really that divorce is usually the best answer now i'm not saying there aren't cases where it's justified and it may be the best answer i'm not trying to paint with a broad brush brush but the majority of the time the effects of divorce are negative, um, so it's really important to consider what happens after the wedding, when all the hype and the pomp and circumstance is over, and you start settling into real life. Um, you know, like you talked about, things start to change. Um, hair goes. <laughs> you know, you put on weight, you get out of shape. Things happen. And those are just the physical things. You have to get used to living with somebody that's not part of your immediate family. Um, for us, like I said, we got married at nineteen. Um, in hindsight, from a maturity standpoint, um, that was stupid. Right? Had I had I to do it all over again, um, and really been able to think about things, I probably would have waited until I was around twenty five to twenty seven. I, I wonder
1: who your wife would have been. <laughs>
0: But I, I just think that there was such um, a maturity that took place in those years that would have prepared me more to be a serious member of a marriage. And I don't think me personally, I don't think I was that all the time. I mean, I, I was trying as best I could. Um, I do think and maybe I'm wrong here, but I think having kids, you know, we had Alyssa at 21, 22, um, Having her, I think, kind of gave us a goal to unite around, um, and that's—I that, feel like—that's kind of when the hard fighting stopped. Right. Um, so we did start to take things a little more serious there, um, but things do change, um, and, and it's when when I listen to people and I talk to people that have been through a divorce. A lot of them say, "Well, he just wasn't the same person he was then, and you know, people change, and sometimes you just have to part ways." Well. People do change, but you also have the ability to consciously change.
1: Thank goodness. I, at 22 years of marriage, I would not want to be married to 19-year-old Matt. And I guarantee you would not want to be married to 19-year-old Amanda.
0: Right. Right. And I, one of the things that I think helped us, and I know helped me personally, um, was one of the things that my dad told me, my gosh, I was probably still in high school, Um, and I I was dating somebody and we were pretty serious at the time and I can't even remember what brought the subject up, but you know, dad just started talking to me me about relationships and marriage. And he said, son, one thing you need to do before you ever say your vows is eliminate the word divorce from your vocabulary. he said, you just need to take it off the table. Um, he said, because if you have the self-discipline and willpower and you're willing to trust God, you can work through just about any problem in a marriage. So that's always kind of been the stance that I've taken. Um that combined with this, you know, I've got this thing wired in me where I just don't like to quit. Um and then we can talk later episode about how that got beat out of me or worked out of me. But um I, I just don't like to quit. And I always felt like if I gave in to hard times and emotion and some of the stuff that we were struggling with struggling in with our marriage, that that would have been quitting. And I didn't want to quit. I didn't want to quit on me. I didn't want to quit on us. And I didn't want to quit on our kids. Um, so you do have to have a certain level of of resolve. But things things do change after after the wedding. They just they just do.
1: Now I did I did of course paint that I was just completely aggravated at the after the honeymoon phase. But then that turns into security uh-huh. and it turns into um, thankfulness. And so even though we were at a cruising place, it was not, it was not dissatisfaction. It was not unhappy. It was not, um, there was, to me at that point, there was nothing lacking. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh because it's love does change and it was a deeper love. It was a we're three kids into this. We have gone through very hard times. We've dealt with difficult deaths we've dealt with um you know, living in poverty uh, as a married couple and coming to a place where we're no longer in poverty. Mm-hmm. And I just It was like a security blanket. You were my security blanket. And I knew that at that point, I really felt like I could talk to you about anything, which now as we've, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, those conversations were like just scratching the surface of what deep Mm -hmm. conversation was. But um, I was happy and secure in my marriage, probably really from the time... Alyssa was born. Of course, it's like a roller coaster ride. There's ups and downs mm-hmm. within that, but it was all, I didn't feel like I was drowning in marriage. In those first three years, there were times that I did feel, and I'm sure that you were also, because as much of a peach as I am now, I'm sure I was <laughs> not then, <laughs> but I just know that it, I hate the word evolve, mm-hmm. but our relationship has evolved greatly from them from them and them those two kids that got married
0: right well maybe a better way to describe it is i think if you're willing to endure and press through the hard times and make a commitment to not quit you learn how to really love and you learn that there's a difference between what you thought was love leading up to your wedding what you thought was love after your wedding and then however long it takes before reality starts to set in. There's a difference between those feelings and emotions than real love. And I think that's kind of what we've kind of started to discover with this book is that I don't even like to refer to love as an emotion now because it's so much deeper than that. When you really love and when you really learn how to love, it's not just a fleeting passing emotion that comes and goes. Right. Like infatuation or lust or any of these other things that you feel, you know, when you're young and you're, you're full of energy and, you know, you're excited to, to get married and spend the rest of your life with this person. After reality sets in, you learn that you, you learn how to love, you learn how to communicate. I think that's a lot of our problems early on. A lot of our fights were because we both had issues, but we couldn't sort them out because we couldn't communicate. Right. We only communicated through fighting. Um, so you know, love after the wedding does change. Um, the second chapter in this book, he talks about a love tank, and w- one of the one of the things I can remember writing in our journal was I didn't even I had never even considered whether or not I even have a love tank. <laughs> you know what a love tank is. I I let myself become so independent, um, just because I th- I think a lot of it was because I thought that that was a sign of strength. And that I needed to be that way. I, I felt like I wasn't good to anybody or you know, a strong man in my family or in my marriage if I was constantly dependent and needy and emotionally unstable and all this stuff. So I kind of adopted this persona that um, I can love when I need to. I can show emotion when I need to. But generally speaking, I don't really need to. I don't need.
1: They know I love them.
0: Right. <laughs> I, I don't need to show that. And I don't necessarily need people to show that to me. Um and I think that's that chapter there. There were some things that he wrote in there that really made me start to self reflect. Um, a lot of numbness from past hurt. Um, I only would see other people's needs emotionally if I could view it as some kind of a problem to solve. There was no real connection, or I don't want to use the word empathy. But there, I guess connection is the best word. There was no real connection with your emotional needs, the kids' emotional needs, and I really feel bad for Alyssa, our oldest, who's now in college. I tell her all the time, "You were the guinea pig that taught me how to be a dad." All right. Um, I feel like I got it a little bit better with Hannah, and now we have Caroline, who's five, and I really feel like. The other two got cheated because I feel like I'm doing so much better with Caroline. But that's just that's just kind of how life goes. I mean, you you learn as you go and being a parent for me, a lot like our, our marriage was this independent, tough guy, right. which is why I mentioned in the intro that I never thought I'd have interest in this book. Um, but doing it has showed me that there's so once you stop viewing love as a, just an emotion and something that makes you weak, you find the strength in it.
1: Right. Well, because love isn't what Hollywood has portrayed. Right. Now, our teenage years was the height of the '90s rom-coms, mm-hmm. and which I loved, and God, you, bless America, hated. <laughs> so you know, you see these guys that they end up, you know, doing this big display of love, or just you know, doing something sappy and. If there's one thing you are not, it is a (laughs) cheesy, sappy, I don't know that I've ever gotten a Valentine's Day card or a happy birthday card or to the love of my life, the one I can't live. I know that's how you feel, but that has never been in a card (laughs) or anything like that. So I think that that kind of emotion that girls got oh my gosh can you believe he just did that for her he bought three million roses and got down on one knee with a boom box on his shoulder and you're over there going oh my god is it over yet where is wwe
0: <laughs> i don't watch that by the way <laughs> no
1: you did but
0: years and years ago
1: right well at that so it's just not that's not realistic and i think that's another issue with our generation too is that became the model right and we are living in such a a fast pace you go to mcdonald's you get food in, i in five minutes everything is right now you want a movie you don't even have to wait for movies to get out of theater to get on dvd You can rent them on your Amazon Prime while they're in theaters. Uh Everything is right now in fixes in marriage, building love in marriage, raising kids, building a life. Nothing about that is right now. Uh And I think that that's another part of love that people are having a hard time with dealing with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that explains, you know, in reference to a love tank, why so many go empty so fast. Because if it's quickly consumed and it has to be now, 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 right. it's expended that way too. Um, like I said, I, I never even considered whether or not I had a love tank or needed that kind of emotion. What, right. what we've kind of talked about through this is everybody does. Um, that's a, a fact of human nature. You know, we, you and I were just talking about, I think it was yesterday, how, you know, we all like to be noticed, uh, feel wanted, feel needed. Um, wants at least some form of notoriety. It's just, it's human nature. Um, when you don't get that in a marriage and that's kind of what these, these love languages are is different people need that communicated and they need their love tank filled in, in different ways. Um, and that's, you know, you mentioned that I'm not the sappy guy. Had I learned earlier to communicate with you properly and learned th- this type of stuff and, and the love languages, things would have been different. Um, I would have known that, hey, sometimes you need that. Right. Doesn't make me a sappy loser or a weak sissy. Right. To do that. It makes me strong because I've, I have know how to connect with you. I know what you need and I'm willing to provide it. Right. Um the, the flip side of that is coming to terms with the fact that I'm not super Mr. Independent, that there are things that I need. And I need to, in order to be able to show emotion, I've got to learn how to receive it. Um, so it's it's been a major self-reflection and growth stage, um, especially through that chapter. Um, another thing with the love tank, I think is important to point out that it, it requires more than just the absence of, of wrongdoing or conflict. And this goes back to what we were talking about, about just being stagnant and feeling like everything is okay. We had kind of defined a successful marriage as one that is absent of those things instead of looking at it as one that is full of other things that are necessary. Right. So, um, that kind of leads us into this, this third chapter of the, he talks about falling in love and this, this is, kind of goes along with what happens to love after the wedding. And that's why, you know, I thought it'd be good to kind of cover these three chapters together. Um, Fantasy kind of turns to reality real fast. And I can remember there were times early when I thought, did I ever, was I ever really in love or was it just an infatuation? And I made a stupid, stupid mistake by falling into that.
1: Well, our, our relationship started a lot different than right. a lot of other people's relationship started. We did not have a traditional dating relationship in high school. Um, we, do you want to tell it, or do you want me to tell it with the rose-colored glasses?
0: I don't know that it needs to be told, but <laughs>
1: well, just that we dated for a week our freshman year through band we met and um he was a really cute drummer really cute but um i was influenced outside of our relationship that you were a dork and so i of course broke it off but (laughs) um i couldn't deny that there was a pull there and so we became friends close friends and we
0: were really good friends
1: we were very close friends um I will say really until probably the middle of our junior year and you had a serious relationship and she really didn't like me which I can understand that I would not want my boyfriend to be really close friends with another girl and so we kind of drifted a little bit um and then that the summer before our senior year um some stuff happened in my personal home life. And um, it kind of gave you a scare. And I think that we started talking again and building our friendship back together. And our senior year, we got close again and dated a little bit for a little bit Our over Christmas break. And I was stupid again and decided that was not the smartest thing (laughs) to do at that point just because we were starting our life and we were going to go out into the world as adults and you know live our life and what did I need with a high school boy and then someone told me once that I think it might have even been my grandmother that you don't when you're looking for someone to spend your life with you don't look for someone that you can live with. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of people you can live with. But there are not very many people you cannot live without. And that is what changed in my mind. I knew that that friendship, that relationship that we had, that wasn't necessarily all puppy love, which we had our moments of that, but we had a good, solid friendship and I couldn't live without that. I could not lose that. Because at that point, I'd lost so much, I couldn't, it would have broke me to lose one more thing, yeah. one more relationship. And so um, we got together on graduation day and have been together ever since. Um. So we didn't have, we didn't have a lot of that, well, we've been together since our junior year of high school and we have been together in a different sense Uh and um i just think that another thing that we were that i was always taught was um my grandparents were married for 50 some years and her stat her view on things where when something is not working correctly, you fix it. Right. A car, a toaster, a relationship. If something isn't working right, you fix it. And then you have the pride that you fixed it. Uh-huh. And I think that that is kind of the mindset in recent years that I have taken. That It doesn't necessarily, it wasn't misfiring or misworking. That's not a word, but you know what I mean? Uh But squirt some oil on it, tighten up some bolts, and let's figure out how to get this thing working at optimal power. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think... the expectation has to change at some point. And I feel like that's, you know, of course, we, we talked about it briefly. and Maybe we can get into some of our, you know, specifically some of the problems that we had early on when it comes to communication. You, you kind of mentioned briefly, um, right after we got married, you know, we're 19 years old. We don't have any kids yet. Um, I just finished up a short short stint in the military um, after medical discharge. Um, so I came back and all my buddies were still in town And on the weekends, I want to go hang out with my buddies,
1: single buddies, Brent,
0: (laughs) but, uh, you know, and we'd get together and just go, you know, go to their house, go to somebody's house and we'd watch, you know, low budget horror flicks or, you know, watch, you know, stupid comedy movies or whatever until five o'clock in the morning and go home. Um, that eventually became a point of contention. (laughs) Um, you would blow my phone up after about two hours over there and I'd get calls the rest of the night. Um. Come home and it'd be nothing but a fight.
1: I would drive by and make sure all the cars were actually still there. Right.
0: <laughs> right. Um you know, so there's just there were things like that. Um I should have been, in hindsight, sensitive to the fact that no, I should not have to completely give up hanging out with my buddies. But going over there every weekend till five o'clock in the morning is a bit much. Leaving my wife home by herself is that's not what marriage is. Um, So I think, you know, both of us kind of had to learn some stuff through there. Um, We had talked earlier, you you went through a phase, I think it was right after Hannah was born where you were about to be over it then. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about that at all?
1: Do I? Well, (laughs) um, well, This is not not me trying to drag all your issues through the mud. I'm sure that you can drag mine later, but <laughs> you you like to play video games. And there was a point of time in our marriage where on the weekends, that's what you did. Uh-huh. I kept the house, not well, but I kept it. <laughs> I took care of the kids. I was not working at that point. I was not getting any attention. We were not talking. We were not, I mean, we'd have people over every fat once in a while to play some board games, but that there's no communication. There was no dating. There was no, there was nothing between us. You did your thing and I didn't even have a thing. My thing was taking care of the kids that, we created together, the life we created together, it was on my shoulders. And I, I, I seriously went through a phase where I thought, I'm, I'm going to pack everything up. At that point, my mom lived in Michigan all the way at the top 10 hours away. I'm going to pack up the kids. I'm going there. I'm going to the farm. I've had enough. And um, I just could not do it because I am one of the kids that was raised without their dad. I'm not going to say a dad because I did have a dad in my life, and um, and he did the best he could. And there are a lot of things that he did for me that I appreciate, but he wasn't my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went through a lot as a kid and I refused to never do that to my, I refused. I'm not doing that to my kids. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to ever put them in the position where they have to be without a dad. So I'm going to suck it up and be here. And I think in that, um, in that book, didn't it say something about um, what were the two options for marriage?
0: Oh, that you either have to, Resign yourself to a life of misery, or end it.
1: Right. So I think that's that's
0: what he said. That that's you know a lot of people think that when it gets into situations like that where you don't feel like you have any other option.
1: So I was just gonna live a life of misery, and I was miserable for a while, and then I decided, you know what, I don't have to be miserable, and I think that, um, my mom went through AA and part of that I believe or maybe this is just her wisdom that she has you just identify people for who they are uh-huh. and you let them be that right so at some point I just had to identify who you were and let you be that yeah we did have arguments over your gaming and whatever but I think at some point you realized this gaming isn't worth. The arguments, the gaming isn't worth, blah, blah, blah. And so I think you even switched to like sometimes you would just game after we went to bed. Mm -hmm. Or you would set up dates. Is it okay if I game tonight? PJ and Donnie are going to be online tonight. Right. Can I? Yeah, I don't care because I'm going to watch a 90s rom com and see what love's all about.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think that that, that's key there. Sometimes you just have to find any reason to hang on is a good reason, even if it's your kids. Right. Um, you know, and I don't think I ever was quite as frustrated as you, but, you know, there were times where I was just sick of it. Um, you know, things that you would do that just, um, you know, one of the things that, and this was, this was early, we were probably, mid 20s this might have been right before Hannah was born um, we were still you know attending an organized church at the time um, we would go out with friends and you always felt like that was a good time to pick on me
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it used to drive me crazy
1: cuz i wanted to be heard
0: right and, and see this is stuff that not
1: that it's right it's not right to berate your husband in public
0: <laughs> but, but this is this is all stuff we learned so um but but having a having a reason you know, your reason eventually became, you know, I'm not going to do that to my kids. Um, It was, you know, a lot of it for me was, I'm not going to let my dad down and, you know, I'm going to eliminate divorce from my vocabulary and I'm just going to, I'm just going to suck it up. But um, you mentioned something earlier um, in your last comments about just, you know, this is who he is. I just didn't have to accept who he is. Um, I think it's important to note that there is a serious problem with and this is a cliche phrase that you hear a lot just in general that oh well well, people just need to accept you for who you are well are we are is anybody perfect
1: right
0: i don't need to accept me for who i am i know that there's things that i need to work on in my life why should i expect somebody else to accept me for who i am and just suffer with all of my now i mean obviously there's there has to be room for grace there um, and you do have to kind of put up with it with some things, but the key I think to marriage is getting into a place where you have such a strong relationship and a strong level of trust that you can help each other get better and find ways to draw attention to those areas that need fixed without turning it into an ego battle. Right. So it's not, and it, since we've started reading this, reading this, I've found that we don't have to call each other out. We wind up calling ourselves out. We wind up self-identifying things that we know could be better. Me personally, you personally, I don't have to call you out on those things. This just comes up in organic conversation now. Um, But part of that is learning how to communicate, which, which this has helped tremendously.
1: Well, and that's part of me accepting who you were at that time. That's the best... We talk a lot about um, shortcomings our parents had or whatever. We use the phrase a lot. They did the best they could with what they had. Uh At that point in our life, what I had was the realization that I needed to accept who you were. Right. And there were things about that that I loved and there were things about that that I didn't. But we didn't have the relationship then that we do now. Uh-huh. Now, I would not, in the middle of your Xbox game, throw this big fit, throw this big fit about you um playing for three hours. Now I would wait until the next day and say, hey, you know, it really upset me the other day when you... Decided to play, blah blah blah, and we would have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And then we did not have that. We didn't have those skills.
0: Right. Well, that's it's just something you learn, and that's why it's important. Because I don't think you learn that until you deal with the hard stuff. So if you're to a point where you're arguing too much, and you think you just can't stop arguing, so you need to split up, or just lack of compatibility, or there's no equality here. He's not treating me right. Or, you know, she doesn't care about me. All the, like there's a list of questions that, mm-hmm. that we, or there's a list of reasons that we're given for divorce. If you get to that point and are ready to cash in all the chips, then the, I think the saddest thing is that so many couples would realize if they, if they can hang on and get past that, the lessons they will learn through that process will alleviate the problem. Right. I can't, again, I'm not a marriage expert. I can't say that that's that's always the case. But I think a lot of times it is. Um, And that's just speaking from our experience. You know, there were some hard times that we could have controlled, and there were some things that that we couldn't control. I mean, there are several things that introduce high-level stress into a marriage. And we've, my gosh, we've had our share. Um you know, not to go through all of them, but you know, there's work stress. There's you know, we left left a church that we'd been at for um, eleven years. That was stressful. Um, started a business that didn't work out. That was stressful. Um, you know, we went through some stuff this past fall. I mean, it's just it seems like there's always going to be something that is out of your control. Um, so that's why it's so important, I think, to get a handle on the things that are in your control. Uh, build a strong level of trust. Um, and I, I said earlier, change the expectation. Then you kind of talked about it of, of you know all these romance movies and all this stuff, and that's that's what society thinks is marriage. My, if, if I were going to talk to a young couple that was either thinking about getting married or had just recently gotten married, uh, the one piece of advice I would give them is you need to say it to yourself in the mirror, write it down until you get it through your head, but you better resign yourself to the fact in a hurry. That marriage is work. If it's not now, it's going to be. At some point, I don't care how much you say you love that person now, at some point you're going to want to choke him.
1: I call it baseball bat. <laughs> sometimes you walk through the door and I think, oh my God, I am so lucky. I am married to you for the rest of my life. He's mine. And sometimes you walk through the door and I think, oh my gosh, I would love to hit him with a baseball bat. <laughs>
0: and we are not condoning domestic violence
1: (laughs) correct those are just thoughts in my mind
0: figures of speech right um but yeah you just you have to get through the hard times um so we've kind of talked about our past problems you know there's there's several we could go on a long time some of them you don't need to be talked about but um i think just getting to where you understand what real falling in love is. And that's what he was talking about in this third chapter. There's a difference between what you thought was falling in love when you got married. And when you do deal with the hard stuff and you learn how to love, I don't even know if you can call it falling in love as much as it is working
1: together, I think working in love, is... right.
0: Working together to learn how to really love. Right. Um, and it's, it's different. The fireworks, the excitement, the, You know, that feeling that you have kind of isn't there at the same level, but the real thing is, it's better. It's deeper. It has meaning, real meaning. It has purpose. Um, And it will, that's the kind of stuff that's going to take you through life and take you through the hard, hard points, just not in life, but in marriage too. So... That's kind of a, a wrap-up, I guess, of those three chapters. Um, I don't think our goal is ever to do a, a book review or dictate specifically what was in the book as much as it is just kind of share how those have related to our marriage and our relationship. Uh, were there any other notes that you had or you know, points that you wanted to discuss? See, now, I, I do, do want to say, b- before she goes into this, I do want to say that her notes are Watch neater, Her handwriting is neater than a five-year-old, but the coloring is about like a (laughs) five-year-old. So, I don't know if she wants to to show the camera there. Um, Mine, I am a very OCD guy, so I've got mine on a tablet. Um, Everything is bullet point in order. So, that just goes to show you that there there are some differences that will never go away. Um, But, yeah, I mean, did you have anything else you wanted to...
1: No. I think... One thing that this book has identified, and it kind of goes along with this, the nose thing. I, I'm a different person. I am a fly by the seat of my pants. I am a, let's just go and see what happens. And you are a, no, we're going to sit down and we're going to write a schedule and I want to know where we're going to eat and I want to <laughs> know about how much it's going to cost and I want to know what books you're going to buy when we go to Barnes & Noble and we're not going here and we're not do. And I think that one thing that has enhanced us is we have fully embraced 100% who each other is. Uh-huh. I remember... One, This is a rabbit trail, but I remember one particular trip we took to Columbus, you and I, which we do. Date your spouse. Try to make time for just them. Do not feel guilty for making a steak dinner for your spouse or going and spending a night away from your children. They get you and your efforts all the time. Your spouse deserves your one-on-one attention every fat once in a while more than fat once in a while but at least every fat once in a while so we had gone on a trip to columbus previously our trips to columbus was we ate lunch at five guys we ate dinner at rusty bucket or pf chang's Uh we um went to barnes and noble and we went to a movie at easton We did the same thing every single time. Uh I was sick of it. I don't do every single time we do the same thing. That doesn't work for me. So this one trip, we were driving up there. I said, listen, I am taking control of this trip. I am choosing where we're eating. You get no say. We're just going to go and we're going to wing it. And I remember you said, I hate that. And I said, I know it, but we're going to do it. We ate at a new place every time, and some of them were good, and some of them were not. What's that Ted's Buffalo, the bison place? That no, was... I don't, don't
0: want to trash any business, but yeah, we ate one that wasn't, uh, we did wasn't not, the greatest. We
1: did not enjoy it. It was full, so other people enjoy it. It was not our cup of tea. Mm. But there... So some of it worked, and some of it didn't. But then the next time i didn't do that okay where do you want to eat but now you had new things Mm -hmm. to choose from that i made us try and i i don't think that you hated that trip and if you did you did a great job of covering it up
0: i must not have because i'd remember it and i don't remember specifically what
1: (laughs) right but just and another thing that I think as far as marriage goes, is be interested in who the other person is. If they're a sports fanatic, find some stupid something about sports. I mean, I would watch SportsCenter with him, and then I'd bring someone's name up in conversation and actually connect a player to a team correctly. And (laughs) he would kind of be surprised that I knew... I don't know any examples right now, but, and I think that he has done that for me some, but it just, that's an, an, another form of love is showing Uh interest in the other person when you don't necessarily feel like you have interest.
0: Right. Yeah. So that's in conclusion, um, you know, I think the first three chapters of this were so eye-opening. Um, for me, it took the cheesiness out of this. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you hear a book about, you know, the five love languages. I remember my brother-in-law said, hey, man, you really need to read this book. I'm thinking, come on, dude, that's, that's a chick book. I don't <laughs> want to have it. Well, but then, like I said earlier, um, I'm reading Patrick David's book, Your Next Five Moves, um, and he brings it up.
1: And he's a manly man.
0: And I thought, well, maybe, um, tremendous respect for Pat, Pat David man. Um, but I'm reading that and I think, okay, well maybe, maybe there's something to this. And I had considered getting it just to read on my own.
1: You do have tremendous respect for your brother-in-law too. Well, correct. Um,
0: <laughs> but I, I kind of just kind of put it on the back burner on the list of books that I've got piled up that I want to read. And I just thought, well, maybe someday I'll just read it by myself. Um. Well, then this past fall, you know, we went through some pretty stressful stuff and we were sitting on the couch one night and you just said, I want to read this book. And I thought, okay, whatever,
1: whatever will shut her up.
0: So we did. And after about halfway through the first chapter, I was blown away already. Um, But that, that's the kind of book it is. I mean, if you're a guy out there listening to this, thinking that this is just some cheesy sappy book it's not. If you, if you care in the least about getting better, bettering yourself, um, bettering your marriage, um, getting to a higher level intellectually, you need to put this book on your list. Um, it's, it's that deep, and you'll find out real quick that it's not cheesy. Um, it will expose some things in you that you never thought would be exposed, um, and it kind of helps you deal with it. Um, so, you know, that understanding your spouse's emotions and needs... Um, it's not weak. Um, that's just something. I, and I'm not saying every guy is like this. Um, but again, you know, to my conversation earlier about the self independence, um, I think that had kind of been a layer to that was that I thought connecting on that level was weak, that that wasn't, you know, who a tough guy or who a manly man was supposed to be. And I'm finding out now that weakness is succumbing to that mindset right. and turning that part off. Um, it does take internal strength to come to terms with your own weaknesses, your past hurts, your own problems, um, you know, things that you're missing in your marriage. Um, and then, of course, in, in later episodes, we'll talk about the actual love languages and how those apply uh, to us and you know, kind of what we've learned through there. So,
1: Well, and here's another side note. If for some reason this has inspired you to go on a journey with your spouse through this book, through communication whatever um sometimes communicating is difficult and we decided that we matt is a writer if anyone's ever read his stuff he's a writer (laughs) so we decided to get a journal and the way we decided to do this was he would read chapter one and write some notes in it and i would read chapter one and i would write some notes in it so that I think this has kind of turned into, not to sound cheesy, a love letter to each other
0: sort about of. our
1: journey. Sort of. And I have the freedom to read his thoughts and opinions about it. He has the right and the freedom to read my thoughts and opinions about it. And we have started um, after each chapter, which we did the first two chapters together. We will go on a date and we will discuss it mm. and we carry our journal and we carry our book into the restaurant and we eat our appetizers and we start talking and it, it really is refreshing to be able to talk about something with meaning that is not politics, current events, what our kids are doing, aggravations of life, mm-hmm. um, what can we do better for us. Right. And a lot of people I know do not have that freedom per se in their marriage that they can just have those open conversations, and so maybe just journaling to each other, right, is a good stepping stone.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I I think with the journal, it helps. It helps put your own feelings out there before a verbal conversation. Sometimes it's hard in the spur of the moment to address that kind of stuff without a little bit of pre-thought. And I think that's, that's what the journal has done for us is lets us take down notes about the important parts that we're reading and express the emotions that we're dealing with in the process. Um, but I think that has done more work for our ability to communicate and have real deep, meaningful conversation. So yes, um, to your point, I would definitely suggest even if it's not, I mean, like, like she said, I can write if I were to, I could probably write a half a book just on the stuff that we've talked about tonight. So, you know, I'm not saying you have to do, you know, multiple pages or, even if it's just a few bullet points so that you don't forget what you're thinking while you're reading the book Right. Um, so that you do have some discussion points um, that pertain specifically to you when you do sit down and decide to have a conversation about it. But yeah, get away from the kids, uh, get away from life, uh, slow down a bit um, and enjoy time with each other and talk, learn how to communicate. And you'll be surprised at how much easier it is to solve problems, identify problems and just identify ways and areas in which you can get better. Yeah. Uh, and again, both individually and as a couple in your marriage. So,
1: And when you have conversations with each other, I'll tell Matt before I preface, before I say anything, I'll say, okay, now put this through your Amanda filter. <laughs> because I, you need to be able to communicate with your spouse. I need to communicate with you my raw, true emotions But you need to understand that even though what comes out of my mouth is bat crap, that that's not what my heart means to say, or that's not what my true intentions are for the conversation. So sometimes I'll say, have my word vomit, and then you'll say, I think what you're really trying to say is blah, blah, blah. Or is this what you mean? Or... Yeah. Not necessarily trying to fix my com, but understand
0: mm-hmm.
1: what I'm truly trying to say. And this process, this is how you're speaking. Mm-hmm. And then I need to have word vomit. I need to talk. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there's couples that need to figure out or need to enhance their communication and there are ways to do that understand that when you're having a conversation with your spouse they're saying things that they want you to hear Mm -hmm. and understand right
0: yeah that's big um again it's just it's about connecting um really connecting not just the superficial hey we live together we don't fight we get along and we're just on you know cruise control through this wild ride called life um there's meaning to it there's purpose to it um and I can't imagine going all through it by myself. And if I had to pick anybody else, I wouldn't want to. So,
1: good answer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it for this episode. Um, in the future ones, we'll get into the actual love languages, uh, talk about those. Um, I hope this has been beneficial to um, those of you that have listened. Um, if you have any questions, comments, uh, you can send an email to mpeterson at or mpeterson.ventures at gmail.com that's m p t e r s e n dot ventures at gmail.com um, and we can maybe discuss some of those um, on future episodes but uh, till then uh, take care of each other take care of yourselves god bless